Hello everyone, this is Yulei Strate. Today I'm hosting Linda as part of the Skills for Mars Transition series. Linda has built a good career as a senior executive in strategy for a global company. When the company decided to restructure itself, she had to make a decision. Find another role in the corporate world and continue on this path, or stop, take a deep breath and do something different. With the support of a coach, she narrowed down what she really wanted to do and started her transition journey. Three years down the road, she loves what she's doing, she's energetic, and is persevering towards her final goal. Join us to find out more about her incredible jump. Transitions is about transformation and self-reinvention. It tells the stories of people that have made incredible professional and life changes. The ability to change and transition is one of the competencies required for the future of work. My hope is that these discussions will motivate you to forge your own unique journey, no matter the difficulty. The difference should be that you will know firsthand what to expect and will have higher chances of success because you can prepare. If you do find these types of conversations useful, you can support the podcast by subscribing to it. To access the video podcast and subscribe for free to my YouTube channel, go to youtube.com forward slash skills for Mars and hit the subscribe button. Alternatively, you can go to skillsformars.com and click the YouTube confirm your subscription button. And now I give you Linda. Hello, Linda, and welcome to Skills for Mars Transitions. I'm very happy to host you today. Thank you. It's very nice to see you again. Would you be okay for everyone to know you a bit, to introduce yourself, a bit of your background, and a bit of the journey you've been through as change? And then, of course, we will go into the details. Oh, terrific. I would love to. Um, so I'm American. I was born and raised in Missouri, which is in the central U.S., and uh, I lived in St. Louis until I went to school in Chicago, which is not too far away. Uh, and in my 20s, I went back and forth between Chicago and St. Louis uh, for university and for work. Uh, but I didn't really have any career plan. I basically just worked in, uh, I had an interest in advertising and marketing. And so I worked in that and in retail uh, and eventually moved back permanently to Chicago in the late 80s. So since then, I worked, uh, I, I just answered an ad. And back then, we had ads in the newspapers, uh, no internet. Uh, but I answered an ad for uh, a customer service representative job at a healthcare information company. And I had no background in healthcare, but an interest. Um, and surprise, they hired me. <laughs> um, so I, I started working in that area. I stayed with that company for about seven years and learned a lot about healthcare and medical field in general. And that was my first, uh, first position working in what we would say more of a technical than a creative field. So I learned a lot about data and analytics. And uh, I went on from that uh, to join another larger company that dealt in the same field, but more with consumers instead of business to business. And uh, they brought me on board to start up their healthcare marketing area, but I was also working quite heavily with other industries like retail, packaged goods, financial services, uh, travel, so forth. So 
I eventually ended up managing a whole team of people, did quite well at that company and stayed there. Uh, They were acquired by a British company uh, that was looking to expand into the U.S. And so that was by the late 90s and uh, stayed with that company for about 10 to 12 years uh, in a marketing capacity. But about five years in, they decided to form a global strategy group. And I was asked if I would come into that team and work on two key initiatives, which was digital innovation and global expansion beyond the UK and the US. So I did that for quite a while um, and went from basically a customer service rep to a corporate vice president uh, by 2012 or so. Uh, So that was in like my 30s and 40s, and quite happily, just, you know, very. Uh, very satisfied with my career, the team of people that I worked with. I got to travel all over the world, which was a huge benefit. Uh, And so by about 2012, the company decided to disband that group and decentralize all of those activities. And so my uh, department was dissolved And I was given an opportunity to either move into an operational role, which I decided not to do, um, or to leave the company. And that's when I decided to change careers. Uh, But I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So, Were you thinking already for some time to switch to something else? Or were you dreaming to do something else? Was it there in the back of your mind or not at all? Uh, You know, I think I always felt... When I was working there, I always felt, well, if I leave, I'll just go do, I like what I do, but I want to do it for a product or a service that I would was more passionate about in it or an industry that I loved more. And so uh, what was a surprise, though, is when I left the company, they offered me a severance package, but it was also included a non-compete clause for five years. So I was in the senior executive role, of course. Exactly. And I had a lot of uh, access to private sensitive information. And so, you know, I was basically prohibited from working almost in the same industry in any capacity for a long period of time. Five years is quite a long time. Um, If it had been one year, two years, maybe I would have, you know, taken a long vacation, a sabbatical and, and come back and done the same work. But with a five year non compete, I thought, well, I think that's it's a good time to look at doing something else. And by that time, I was 52. And so I really thought, you know, if I'm going to make change, I need to do it now. Uh, I can't wait another five or 10 years. I, I've got to be able to, um, to get the training and to develop the relationships and get some experience. Um, and so I took, uh, I, did, I did a long time. Uh, I took about 12 to 18 months to decide where to go next. And I looked at a lot of different fields Uh, and I worked with a coach to help me sort through what I was really interested in and what might be the next phase of my career. How important was it for you to work with, uh, with a coach and get the guidance? I think it was, it was critical. Um, It was an outplacement service that was provided by the company. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, there was no cost to me. Um, She was maybe a little bit older than me. She was, maybe okay. five or 10 years older than me. So I think we had similar perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. And she was able to not only take me through a series of exercises and have me write out 
uh, different things. But, you know, we went through personality tests and looked at not only what I, what my experience would lend itself to, where I could transfer skills, but also what would motivate me going forward. And I think that was the, that was the key determining factor is I needed something that was going to really push me and motivate me, not just something I might be good at. Did you end up with uh, just one option or did you have multiple options and then you somehow decided between them? Uh, I actually looked at two or three different fields. Um, I always wanted to do something in market development and innovation, new products, uh, new services, new businesses. So I I always positioned myself as the go-to person for what's new and what's next. So on top of trends and uh, always being aware of consumer behavior and so forth and where companies might want to invest next whether it's by geography or by capability. Um, So I looked at things like real estate. I looked at interior design. uh, I looked at retail. um, I looked at what I chose, which is the food industry. Uh, I looked at travel. So I I really did pick areas that I had interest in. um, But I looked across four or five. And one of the exercises that she had me do was not only get out and network and talk to people in those industries and in those particular jobs, but also write out uh, a description of what kind of training and skill set do I need to be able to start in that, um, understanding that I'm coming in as a junior uh, in a totally new field. Yeah, exactly. So how did you choose uh, baking, cooking, the food industry? Uh, I you know, part of it was financial. Uh, I looked at some of the other fields and I thought uh, I would have to go back and get an advanced degree, um, a master's or probably not a doctorate, but at least a master's degree. Um, I would have to be certified or credentialed in some way. Uh, the financial investment, I might have to move to a different, uh, different area that might be more expensive. Uh, And so I really, you know, it was a balance between the length of time and what my finances would allow. And so this, when I finally centered in on the food industry, I researched the the question in the food industry for a lot of people is, do you go to culinary school or don't you? About half of the industry will, and the other half will succeed and get their training on the job in various roles in restaurants, catering, hotels, et cetera. and, and food product companies. But I thought two things. One, I knew I wanted to live and work internationally in the future. So I felt I needed some strong credentials and recognizable name. Uh, so I chose a, a school that had uh, a strong international presence and still does. Um, and they had an accelerated program where I could learn quite a bit in a short period of time and so I didn't have to take out too much of a student loan or use up too much of my savings to get started. So those were the considerations, and that's why I chose that that particular path. You went about it very planned, right? Yes. And you're still on your journey. It's not over yet. No, I'm about halfway through. Tell us a bit about the plan and what's the end goal. So uh, one of the... Um, 
one of the exercises that the career coach had me do was a five-year plan for myself uh, because she said, you know, you've spent the bulk of your early part of your career helping companies plan their long-term strategies, and but you've never done it for yourself. She was right. And I thought, you know, I, I really need to be more intentional about this. I had, had just, through luck or happy accident, uh, fallen into great jobs uh, over the years, but I had never intentionally gone after any of these uh, with a plan. So that was also what took some time was to sit down and say, okay, I need to, the first five years was going to be, and this was, um, I would say 2015 by now to 2020 to where we are about now. And it was all about, I need to get the classical training through culinary school. I need to develop a new contact network of people in the industry, uh, perhaps a mentor or certainly peers and, and other people who, you know, who I could tap their knowledge and their resources. Uh, I need to gain some practical work experience. And, uh, you know, so that I thought that's going to take at least a few years to do. And that's where I am right now. Um, so this past year, I have also been in great during this lockdown time. Um, I've had plenty of time to go through and review and update my plan for the next period of time. Uh, so 2020 through 2025. So I, I have a pretty clear path as to how I'm going to go about uh, continuing in this space. I can't help but notice that you are very secure and composed about all of this. It's a long time. It's not a short time. How did you manage with your finances, with your loan, what are you doing in the meanwhile to make sure that you can get to where you want, but have the security and live the life that, that at least part of the life that you want in the meanwhile? So I did two things. Um, you know, again, whenever you're looking at making a huge change, whether you're an individual or a company, you have to look at um, revenue growth. So how, how am I going to secure or save or have enough funds to see me through this period of time? And then on the operational side, how can I create efficiencies by cutting my costs? So how can I limit my spending um, so that you have that cushion in between? You're not living from paycheck to paycheck. Um, my, my income, and this was the hardest thing to get used to. My income when I was working for a corporate career uh, included not only my salary, but a bonus and investment stock. Um, and then, of course, I had my severance pay as well when I left. So I had, I had a little bit of savings um, and some resources that I could get by for a few years. Um, once I started working, one of the things that I did in between culinary school and jobs was I traveled overseas um, back to some of the places that I had worked previously, but also some new cities that I had heard about. And I realized... Um, that I could live much more efficiently and a much lower cost of living in certain cities than here where I am in Chicago right now. So, and that's my plan is that long-term I will eventually move to one or more of those cities um, so that I could live on much less um, and make my money stretch further. 
So going forward, uh, for this period of time, I actually had uh, an inheritance uh, that I've been able to live on and some help from family. And, uh, but going forward, it'll be through uh, social security and savings and other, and I'll probably continue to work uh, at least part-time as long as I can. No plans to fully retire. When do you think you will get back to a normal situation? financially speaking and uh, job speaking financially never okay um because <laughs> and that that was a hard adjustment to make psychologically that was the hardest thing um so you know i am making uh the average income in the food industry is 10 to 20% of what i used to make so i took an 80% pay cut <laughs> 80 which is a lot uh you know you basically go from living a very upper middle class or pretty well to do lifestyle um to basic subsistence um and that and i had to be all right with that that was a psychological adjustment that i had to really think about of you know you are never going to make a lot of money anymore and there are going to be periods where you don't make much at all and it's going to really be a stretch. Um I'm fortunate in that I'm very healthy so I don't have and I don't have uh children or other people depending on me. So it's you know it's basically can I adapt to this new lifestyle of living in a low cost city in a small basic space with not a lot of uh extras. And it's okay. It's okay. I'm very happy with it. I it's the trade off um with the stress level has has been worthwhile. I'm much happier, much more content now. You're definitely not a person motivated by money, right? That I think that's <laughs> kind of clear to anyone. What I motivated you in this change? I probably should be. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should be. <laughs> are you not. are you not what what's what's motivating and what keeps you happy and focused? Because to have a five-year plan and to go through it with such calm such composure such dedication and with an 80% cut right yeah. what keeps you at it i think just the love of the work um i you know i try to put myself in an environment where it is um working with a group of people because the food industry is a team sport whether you're in a restaurant or any other uh business you can't do it alone so and and the people that i work with are much younger um when i was in culinary school school there was only out of a class of 40 there was one other woman in her 40s everybody else was teenagers 20s you know very young um but interestingly enough out of that class of 40 only eight of us made it all the way through so a lot of people go into it and they wash out for whatever reason they lose interest their financing falls through they have other life you know things that they want to do and so um i just learned to persevere and i really really wanted it and i knew that i didn't really have much of a choice i couldn't go back to what i used to do and i couldn't really start over in another field so i thought you know i and i would tell myself and i still tell myself when times get tough you know that i chose this i want this i can do this and you have to really be your own best uh cheerleader. So that's the morning mantra. It is. It is. I want this, I chose this, I can do this. 
did it make you feel that you cannot do it? Or did you question your decision when you saw that, hey, everyone is 18, 19, 20? <laughs> Wait, there's only one more person in the group that's 40 and I'm definitely the oldest person here. Did it make you question your decision? No, it really didn't. Um, because I had, the instructors were all about same age as me. I had a few that were younger, but in the most case, they were experienced and had been in the, the industry for 20 or 30 years. Um, my youngest instructor, my pastry chef instructor was 26, uh, but my oldest one was in his 60s. And this was his last job. He was going to retire after this. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I tried to um, develop relationships with everybody at the school and people in the industry and people who were just starting to people who had been in, been in it for a long time, because I really wanted to understand um, where do I fit there and how do I add value in this space? Um, I'm not going to be the fastest. I'm not, I may not be the smartest or the most talented, but you know, I certainly, I think was the most dedicated and hardworking. Uh, and and the best problem solver. I mean, I tried to, again, focus on the skills that I could transfer from my corporate career and in terms of planning, preparation, uh, looking at different ways to approach a problem and come up with different solutions. Um, you know, just what can I bring to the team? And maybe at this point, how can I help some of those younger people get through the rough spots? I'm, I'm not necessarily a teacher, but I try to be a good example. Did they come for your advice? Did they, did they ask for support because you had more experience or that was not the case? Sometimes. Uh, you know, I think most people who get into this industry have, um, have a high level of confidence and a pretty big, big ego. Some people want to be an executive chef. They want to run their own show. Um, and people of all ages in this business are very strong-willed. Uh, there are no wallflowers, no shy people in this industry. Uh, and you have to have that. You have to have confidence and you have to have um, some, you know, type A personality, a go-getter kind of personality. You can't sit back and wait to be given a direction uh, because you, you come up with all kinds of problems and, you know, People still have to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> the show must go on in the food world, you know. Uh, but there's, and there's always something. It's equipment breaking or ingredients uh, are not the top quality that you need. Um, a team member is sick and they call off, they don't show up, and now you're shorthanded. Um, you know, there's always something going wrong. And you just have to kind of be very patient and look at this. And be calm and say, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to manage this? Because the customer should never see all that. You know, they, they came for a great night out and a great meal, and they're spending their hard-earned money, and they want to enjoy themselves. So they don't care about the rest of it, and they shouldn't. So you are talking about finding your value add and where you fit in the industry. Is it... Did you decide, is it being a chef? Is it uh, owning a restaurant? Is it uh, managing a chain of restaurants to, and help them expand like you did with the previous IT company and using the, the previous skills? What is it? 
I think I, you know, it, physically, I know that I don't have the stamina anymore to work uh, as hard as you need to, to be an executive chef or open your own restaurant. Um, it's that seven days a week, 15 hours minimum every day. You're basically living at the restaurant. Um, and in all honesty, I'm not that big a risk taker. I still like the security of having, um, you know, a large brand or company behind me. Um, I My dream job, I think, would be at this point um, starting up a brand or a division within a larger company. Uh, I think I still work very well in a corporate environment. Um, and as long as it's something in the food industry, that will keep my my interest. So I'm still, that's the phase where I'm at right now. I'm out talking to a lot of different people um, about different roles I could play, uh, either on a project basis. Um, I am working, our store is closed, our cafe is closed right now, um, but I'm working as a baker. So I'm getting more um, bakery operations experience than I had, uh, and I didn't have a lot in school. Um, in, in culinary school, there's two tracks. There's the cooking side and there's the pastry side. So there's culinary and pastry. And you basically take the first couple of months and everybody learns the same thing, like food safety and sanitation. And then you go off into your different paths. Um, so I did the culinary track and now I feel like I'm doing the pastry track. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's all valuable. And, and I have a lot more experience now in restaurant operations. Um, even if I don't want to do that full time, it's a great skill and great experience to have because you never know when you might want to pick up a part time job doing that as well. How you, uh, your coach asked you, and we were, you just mentioned it at the very beginning, uh, and I said that I will come back to it. How does it feel to be a junior again, to not have teams? Uh, across different countries, travel the globe and, and be an executive, a uh, senior executive for a, for a large company. How does it feel to go back to square one, go back to school and then be a junior? Uh, I think when I was in school, it might've been more of an adjustment than it is now. Um, but keep in mind that when you're in school, everyone is basically new. Everyone is learning. Whether you are 20 or you're 50, you're still a newbie. So, uh, and most of us had some practical restaurant experience, but, you know, culinary school is a more classical training. And so it's, it's new for everybody. Um, so I didn't, I felt pretty much at the same level. Um, if anything, I had, was more driven because again, physically, I felt like I needed to keep up. Um, and I still feel that way. My, my stress is mostly physical. It's, uh, I don't want to show any sign of weakness. I don't want anyone to think that, oh, she's too old to handle this. Um, so I, I don't, I don't take days off. Uh, I don't complain if I'm in physical pain. Uh, you know, you, you learn ways to just keep it to yourself, smile and say, okay, what do you want me to do next? What do I need to get done now? Do you think this is... This is part of the process of adapting to this new role and, and changing what you're doing, or is it more, I, ca I can't be seen that I'm suffering. Yeah. <laughs> it's I more think, of a risk. Um, I think it's, it, it also depends on the people that you work with. Again, in most of the positions that I've had and, and I 
worked in four places in the last five years. Um, in every place, the people and the chefs primarily are strong. Uh, they are determined. They are. Uh, they have a lot of stamina, and and they don't show. You know, you don't, there's like, they say, there's no crying in baseball. Uh, there's no <laughs> crying in food. Uh, but there, yeah, there were times uh, I was in, I was doing a culinary externship in Barcelona, right at the end of my classical training. And I, uh, through a friend, I was able to get this externship. Um, I don't speak Spanish and no one in the restaurant spoke English. So uh, they basically had to show me, they had to demonstrate what they wanted me to do. But th if you think of a, an environment where there's no verbal communication, you don't speak the same language, it's hard to learn. It's hard to ask questions uh, in that environment. And there were a couple of days where I would go into the walk-in cooler and cry and think, I can't do this. I, I just can't do this. Um, but you do. You do. You get through it and you say, well, I've, again, I chose this. No one's forcing me to do this. I have this great opportunity. I'm working for one of the top restaurants in a great city. Um, how do I make this work? How do I get past this? And you just have to take a deep breath and move on. Uh, did you have any support from family, friends, or uh, when you were crying on the phone uh, from Barcelona, <laughs> they said, nah, come back home. This is crazy. This is madness. You don't have to do it. Uh, well, it's five was, years have yeah. passed. You can always get maybe a, a job back in, in the area that you worked before in. Yeah, exactly. I, um, no, my family, my friends were extremely supportive because everybody had said, I'm surprised you didn't do this sooner. They, I'd always loved cooking and baking. And I was always the person who was bringing, you know, treats into the office and, and picking out a great restaurant for us to go to dinner and that kind of a thing. So I, uh, it was always a hobby for me. And so the people that I work with were not surprised at all. Um, and they were very supportive. My family was more concerned about my financial um, prospects. They were like, you know, how are you going to support yourself? Um, you know, it's, it, there's no security. Most restaurants close after a year, that kind of thing. It's a very volatile industry and there's not a lot of career uh, opportunity there. So I think they um, have been and probably still are more concerned about the finances than anything else. And now uh, with the, with the pandemic, I think it's, uh, it's hard. It's a, it's a big hit on the restaurant industry, on the food industry. It is. In the city that I'm in, everything is closed with the exception of takeout uh, you know, or delivery. There's no sit-down restaurants. Um, and a lot of the... Uh, I was talking to a company recently, a couple of months ago before this started, about working in their culinary innovation center and uh, working on new product development. And they can't do that now because they can't have groups of people in the same place. Hopefully this will be over soon and then uh, you can go back and uh, continue continue the journey. But it's a good moment to recollect, think about, hey, am I on the right path? What am I doing next? And you're ju not just uh, caught up in a mechanism. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to use this time for more um, continued learning. There's a lot of cooking classes online 
and a lot of industry events that have moved online. All the trade shows are canceled, um, but you can still do things like this and talk to people online. And, uh, and so I'm trying to use that, uh, one, to refine, again, where my place is in the industry. What do I really want to do going forward? And to develop the relationships and make those connections with people um, that I might want to work with in the future. You are in the middle of the, of the full transformation, in the middle of the journey. What are the biggest challenges right now? Uh, that's a good question because, again, I've adjusted my lifestyle. So finances is okay. I mean, it's, you know, not going to go out and splurge anytime soon, but I can get by and it's okay. Um, I work with a great group of people. Uh, you know, the work that I do, I'm always, I enjoy it. I love, you know, I look forward to going in in the morning and, uh, or whenever, uh, and the day goes by quickly and I really like it. Um, and I, I am continuing to learn things. I think the toughest part right now, again, is not knowing exactly where I am because I, I don't want to work in, in the restaurant world forever. Um, what I, you know, my ideal aspect would be to be able to somehow combine the skills uh, and the experience that I developed in the corporate world in strategic planning, market research, business development, corporate acquisitions, investments, and so forth, innovation uh, with a company that is doing that or wants that type of, of function in their organization in the food industry. So it's, you know, it's basically creating a job for yourself, creating the job description, because I'm not so sure it exists. That, that works. That works. And it works, uh, it works magic. Once you find the right uh, company, you just have to be, keep eyes open for the, for the opportunity. Yeah. And in particular, I want to work internationally. Um, yeah. So but the, the tail end of my uh, career plan is to, uh, within two years, by 2022 or 2023, um, I would like to, yeah, move out of the United States permanently. And I have, couple, I, I have a few cities from my travels that I think would be the right next environment for me. Okay. Are they in Europe, Asia? One in Europe and one in Asia right now. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and, there, and there's, exciting. yeah, there's some, um, there, the, they are, they will require me to learn some additional skills, like a new language. I don't speak a foreign language. Um, so I, you know, I'm looking at that going, hmm, this would be a good time for me to start learning that language now. True. <laughs> so I have some time. Um, culturally, I know it's a fit. Financially, I know it's a fit. I mean, there, there are cities that I have spent more than a few months in over the years. Um, and I haven't narrowed it down to one city. Um, I'm actually, I've, I've been working with or socializing with a couple of online communities that are expats and retirees who have moved overseas, mostly from the US or Britain or Australia to other places in Asia or Europe. Um, and, you know, what, what, uh, what factors into their decision? How do they manage it? Uh, financially, tax-wise, health-wise, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, 
And most of them are couples. So me being a single person, I also have to take into consideration, you know, how does that change my, my picture? It's good that you are very good at planning and thorough with analytics and knowing yourself and knowing where you are and yeah, just taking it one by one, reflecting on it. So I think that that seems to help. I think planning and preparation are the key, um, both, again, in my former career, in this stage of my career and in my future, uh, but also having the flexibility. Um, you know, one of the things that I learned was, you know, especially doing corporate acquisitions or innovation is things don't always work out the way you think they will. So you have to have alternate plans. You have a best case scenario, a worst case scenario, and then maybe reality is somewhere in between there. Um, but if you can plan for v different outcomes, then you, you know, you're prepared and you're ready. Uh, and it, it's not like you have to start over. You just have to make some adjustments. Yeah. But and I think hard. this is a very good advice, especially for someone who doesn't like risk very much. And then planning, you can either do by yourself or you can get someone to help you. There are ways to, to be able to put that plan together. Absolutely. And and, yeah. And the trade-off is peace of mind. Yeah. You know, you don't have, you don't have stress. You don't have the fear of, you know, and you don't have the regret. You don't have, did I make the right decision? And should I stop now and do something else or go back? You, know, you just say, okay, it's, it's not progressing the way I thought, but you know, what can I do to veer off into a different direction or continue and get over this obstacle? You either go, you know, around it, above it, or through it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you don't go backwards. Maybe at some point, uh, Linda, you can uh, think about having a second kind of job in which uh, you coach people uh, <laughs> who want to make this kind of transitions and they don't know how to make such a plan. I, you know, I, like I said, I've never thought of myself as particularly good as a coach or a teacher, uh, but I do have the tools. So, and there are actually some very specific, uh, you know, exercises, they're mental exercises, uh, you know, but there are templates and questions and quizzes, and, you know, all kinds of things that, and conversations that you have with other people. Uh, and that's something that I learned from the coach that I was working with. And I see it, uh, there are a lot of online coaches. And I've looked at working with some of those. And I thought, well, I, you know, so far, I think I can do this on my own now. Um, but it, it also it, helps. It's what a helps mental a exercise. I, yeah. that's, that's it. What helps a lot is to network and talk to people who have either been through it or who can empathize and understand, you know, where you're at and just talk through it. Um, it's not something that I talk about with my family at all. Um, you know, and I don't talk about it with people that I work with, you know, I don't want them to think that I'm looking to leave or change in any yeah. way. Um, uh, although I, I, I have, I, I've made my, my direction known to the people that I work with that I will be moving overseas at some point. Not a forever thing. Yeah. If you are to sum it and then summarize, sorry, to things that you would do the same, things that you would change if you look back and maybe you think, hey, I could have done better here. What would maybe be three things that you would do the same and three things that you would change? 
Um, well, doing the same, I definitely would pick this industry. Um, you know, I picked something I really love. It continues to motivate me and, and uh, make me want to work hard. Um, I would continue along the path of, um, of living efficiently and in a portable way. Um, you know, I, I owned a house once for 20 years and I sold it and I'll never own another house again. Um, I, I know I have the confidence and the ability to live out of a suitcase. Um, I don't need a lot of fancy things anymore. And that someone once told me that when you're in your twenties and thirties and forties, you spend that time acquiring things and in your fifties, sixties and seventies, getting rid of all those things. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. I'm just getting rid of everything now. Um, and so the, another, the last thing I would do the same is, um, is I, I traveling and living in different cities and seeing how little, uh, it really costs to live on. It was just such a shock to me. Um, uh, and when I came back to America, quite a sticker shock is that, wow, it's pretty expensive here. Um, but knowing that, you know, I'm confident that, uh, I can live on even less than I'm living on now. Um, and I can get used to living in a foreign country and it's just fine. Just fine. Uh, things I would do differently I, are all financial. I would have saved a lot more when I was younger and I was making a really good salary, all those annual bonuses and the stock options and everything else. I would not have spent those on a house and a car and other nice things. I would have uh, invested those. Um, and I did not, I had opportunities throughout the years to take money and invest it. Uh, and it was too risky for me. I didn't, uh, for example, I, in the U S the stock market or the housing market, uh, you know, really went under in the recession in 2009. So, um, but I could have sold my house at the peak of the market in 2007 and ha and taken that equity in my house and invested it and that would have probably made me set for quite a long time uh, and I didn't do it because I was you know I owned my house and I was very wedded to the uh, home ownership uh, and having a home uh, a home base that was mine uh, and that was a huge mistake and so I learned from that I was like don't be wedded to the things you know uh, if it's a smart decision get rid of the thing, take that money and do something with it, uh, whether it's savings or investment, you know, whatever. Um, but don't, don't be married to one path for too long. So I would have made some changes earlier. I think I held on to a lot of things, both probably financially and emotionally too long. I held on to being a corporate vice president and executive um, as part of your identity. It and, becomes if you, if you do it for yeah. a long uh, time and especially when people start relying on you and the businesses rely on you, it becomes part of your identity. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's an ego thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's a social thing when you're, when you're out people say, what do you do? And you, you know, they're impressed when you say, you know, I'm an executive, uh, and I do this and I do that, you know, and as you get older, you don't care about impressing people so much anymore. 
I think that's important to, you know, when you are young, but at some point you shed all that. And uh, it's more about is, are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you content? Are you a good person? Uh, you know, that type of thing rather than. Are you waking up happy in the morning and doing yeah. what you've always loved doing? Yeah. As opposed to putting on, uh, you know, an acceptable yeah. presence for other people. Linda, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Did I forget to ask you something? Something that you think would be important and you would like to mention it? No, I think we covered a lot of ground. I think that um, I, what I would want most of the, the audience to know is, is, especially in transitioning and transitioning at a, a later age, is don't be afraid. Um, I, I meet a lot of people who are afraid. They were afraid to travel. They were afraid to make a huge change in their life, whether it's personal or professional. And I think, you know, the first step is get over that fear. Just step out of it and don't let that hold you back. You'll be so much happier in the end. Thank you very much, Linda. Thank you. It was lovely to speak with you. <laughs>